and welcome to Do the Right Thing, your weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Alexandra. And I'm Jarvis. Uh, Jarvis and I are aspiring writers, uh, but we never actually practice any writing at all. So to fix this crucial crux, we are issuing a challenge. Each week you sit down and write a complete short story using three or four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast, we read a story, we talk about what we learned in writing it, and then we talk about stories sent in by you wonderful listeners. Mm-hmm, exactamundo. We're simply here to help you do the right thing. A doof, a doof media, media produced production. show on the mm-hmm. network of the doofs. Uh, that's us. Um, yeah, has, and we've done this for 101 episodes. That's right, which is really, really wild. Um, I don't... I don't know how to how to react to that, but that's, that's crazy. Honestly, crazy talk. I I can barely count up that high, so I'm really surprised we've gotten this. Do you remember this far. the first time you had to count to 100? Yes, it was super hard. Yeah, it, I uh, I remember we it was in my uh, my first grade class, I think, and uh, we all grade. I think so. No, okay. wait, well, maybe, maybe maybe like kindergarten, right? No, 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 no. no yeah, I think it probably, was first grade. Probably first grade, yeah. Which is kind of wild that people people before first grade can't count to 100. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, but we dumb. all took turns standing up and counting to 100. And it was really tense. Like, that's not a... Also, it's not very efficient. Like, each individual because student... after the first person. <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're later. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Oh, uh, but I was, yeah, I was very, very proud that I did. But, like, I, I don't think that was a good teaching method, to be honest. Probably not. I mean, honestly, I remember getting caught, totally hung up as to what came after 50, you mm. know? Because, mm-hmm. like, it was so hard to, like, understand that 55, like, oh, it's 50 plus 5. Mm. And, like, and like 51 and then all that. Like, like my brain couldn't do that. It, I was great <laughs> at 1 through 10. And for some reason, after 12, I just got really confused. So I just kept saying numbers. But then 50, I was like, I don't know. I don't know what a, <laughs> what a 60 is. Because, like, to be honest, there was never a 60 of anything in normal uh-huh. life. Like, 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 there's no, not like, uh, like 60, like, seconds or anything. That's not a... Well, okay, but this was what, as you said, first grade. I don't uh-huh. know about time. I had only, <laughs> I had only experienced like what, eleven years of time. I, I couldn't comprehend that. All mm. I knew was that my mom made me go here so that she could go to work. That's all I I knew growing up from that time until fifth grade. Mm-hmm. You know how um, you know how a lot of anime they have like the trope of like, yeah, we have a we have a giant mech. It can only be piloted by children since like, yep, they're younger for, mm-hmm. for whatever reason Fresh you know and I, I sometimes yeah i sometimes rationalize that you know when you're you're younger you can really like adapt to stuff in a different way but that made me think um well you know who has the most pliable brain of a Ooh. fresh a fresh baby fresh out fresh oh, out of the yeah. oven and so what i think that the next anime should do they should just take babies immediately and put them inside a inside a mech, and that's where they just grow, and they're just like a like a they they just are the mech, and they have to oh. be. They're only socialized sort of enough to be the mech to understand yeah. what what the mech things they have to do are, but they but, but they have no social skills. Yeah, they're not they're not human. They're mech. They're mechies. honestly that would have fixed every problem in Evangelion. 100%. I started watching Evangelion. 
Oh, really? How uh, how do you feel about it? It, it only didn't got... age well. Uh, it was interesting so far. Yeah. I, I only got two episodes in. Um, okay, so you got past the first. Fight yeah, yeah, and I I up? found yeah. out what what happened. Yes. Um, okay. Which was, uh, I thought it would be. I was more pleased with the first. So so the first step. Well, you know, let's not spoil it. Let's save it for a doof over. Wait, I let's not spoil an anime that yes, came out yes, thirty years ago. Yes, I <laughs> okay. hey hey um yeah, don't spoil it for me. I kind of haven't seen it. I don't know if you okay. knew that, Jarvis. Well, no, I, I I did, but like you've only seen two episodes, so you're uh-huh. you were spoiling. Wait, wait. So you so do you know about the ending ending or no. just like up? No. Okay, up I know the, the ending episode. of the first of the first episode. It seems okay. like one thing happens, but really okay, something else happened, and I preferred the first thing happening. So okay. <laughs> I was kind of annoyed. Yeah. I was like, well, it's you know, it's a normal anime trope to have mm. that river anyway we're talking in vague terms to, to people who if they don't if you don't know the context all are confused. I'm i sorry. will tell you about this show uh-huh. is that everything is great except for the main character's friends the most oh. useless i mean okay i i, I usually Actually, hear that, that it's the main character that's the most annoying never mind Never mind, never mind, because there's a lot of stuff that happened. I can't even talk about this without spoiling it. So yeah, just wait just wait for the doof over. Just wait for the doof over. Wait for the doof over. Pay ten dollars a month. Wait for the doof over. The Steins Gate's coming out today. Uh that this nice. episode comes out. I finally edited it. It's it's sitting on my computer. I just have to put it on the Patreon, which I just got the login. Um, so it'll be on before this episode comes out even. So um, but yeah, ten dollar patrons. Anyway, uh, yeah. let's get at the the actual episode proper. Thank you yeah, for, for listening about... to our random stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, talking about this episode, the topic for this week was new beginnings. As you know, we have reached one hundred and one episodes, and one hundred episodes is a fantastic milestone. But what comes after that, besides something new? So. Uh, our challenge to our audience was to basically write stories about any sort of new be- beginning and and what they meant and what that meant to them and to and to accompany their stories they had to use three of the four words clay feeling doctor and slump thank you for explaining the premise of our show again that was really was really helpful and good thank you thank you yeah, yeah, i mean yeah. it's episode 101 it's not out of place um just for the record we were going to have scott on but we uh scheduled uh the podcast to record with him on the day uh his, his wife is having a baby so Which, naturally it did not work out uh, although i don't actually know if, if it's if it's if he's coming today but um they, i mean they're at the hospital right now i'm pretty sure um so yeah that's wild uh <laughs> yeah. happy happy uh dad day and mom day uh I know, that's the crazy. dailies the um daily- i'm looking oh. forward to listening to um the uh the the, the no not vow to view what, what do they call it <laughs> what you say i don't know why i forgot i listened <laughs> to all of vow to view their the the previous name of the of that podcast feed mm-hmm. and then they, they changed the it's the same feed but it's a different premise anyway um yeah so uh, i'm excited to, to to hear about that and that they rest up and that everything goes goes well and and cool and good and also that we know what the the baby name is because i don't maybe i was told i don't remember um 
but that's exciting so and and scott will be back on sometime after (laughs) all of that (laughs) um you know that might be you know a while from now but it'll happen but anyway So instead of uh, having a Scott story, we uh, we got a poem by um, uh, Walt, Whitman. Walt Whitman. I was about to mm-hmm. say, Walt, Walt Whitman. Walter White. Walter White. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Walt Emero Emerson, but that's not really... <laughs> Close. <laughs> no, it's not quite. Yeah. Uh, so that's a really good story, a really good poem. It's a, it's a short poem. You've probably heard some parts of it before because, you know, it's it's Mr. Mr. Walt. Yeah, um, and, and I, I guess just to you know, spout out a uh, few facts for those who don't know about Walt, Walt Whitman. Uh, he is known as uh, one of the greatest ro- romantic uh, poem writers from the uh, from the early Americas. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's he's famous for for the song of myself, which is which is one of my favorite favorite poems and uh, leaves of grass. And yeah, I mean, most of his poems are very joyous. It is talking about the power within within oneself, the power of of life, and that even if things are super horrible, I mean we are we are still breathing and we still have the possibility to have love and to make those connections. So a very up a very uplifting uplifting writer, which I think is the perfect thing for this one oh one episode. Sure, um, let's just get into it. It's a real short poem, so. Um... Yeah, let me go read it. Sure thing. Oh me, oh life of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, of myself forever reproaching myself, for who more foolish than I, and who more faithless? Of eyes that vainly crave the light, of the objects mean, of the struggle ever renewed, of the poor results of all, of the plodding and sordid crowds I see around me, of the empty and useless years of the rest with the rest me intertwined, the question, oh me, so sad, recurring, what good amid these, oh me, oh life? Answer, that you are here, that life exists an identity, that the powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. Thanks, Walter. Thank you so much, Walt. Uh, yeah, this is this is definitely one of those like second glass of wine poems. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's very cozy. It's very up uplifting. I really like how um, he sort of this um, phrasing of um, of oh me oh oh life is really shown uh, throughout the poem and, and it really does wrap it to together um, so just to just to um, for those who didn't like grasp the the meaning of it just in one mm-hmm. you know verbal reading it obviously this is most poetry especially older poetry is very much like you are supposed to be looking at it right so you can just reread it and and after you read the end you can go back to the beginning and mm-hmm. um, yeah I, I don't want to like yeah, just just in the case that it didn't immediately fully click, that the whole poem is about, um, you know, the despair we feel about, like what's the point of you know this life and all the suffering and like, yeah, and and are and you know kind of hating ourselves for being so like vain and selfish and wanting to grasp of life this way, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
that Walt himself is uh, foolish and faithless and vainly craves to see like pretty things and and struggle for things and um, that there's yeah that there's so much suffering and stuff and it's all mm-hmm. empty and useless and etc cetera, etc cetera. what good um, what good am I in 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 life and then of course provides that answer that you are here that life exists and identity that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse that you can mm-hmm. exist that you can be here at yeah. all that's the entire answer there yeah and um yeah i mean i i really do like how like uh th- throughout i can just feel him sort of questioning that sort of self-worth you know like throughout all of these horrible things where do i fit in what is what is my point what is my key what is my direction and i do like that he did pro provide this sort of uplifting answer though when i do read it i do question what how would the meaning of this poem change if he didn't give that that whole answer portion you know cuz it cuz it does sort of look like it's almost added on at the very end, you know, it doesn't hold any sort of connection to the rest of the poem, you know? Yeah. It's interesting that, um, I think most, uh, poets would probably, uh, in a case like this, most, most poems are usually the one feeling that's, that's usually what it is. It usually doesn't switch around and give an answer to whatever the poem is expressing, uh, sort of like nullifying it. But I think in this Whitman is like, I, I, I think he's acknowledging that this is, you know, it was very uncomfortable to, to stay in, in a meaninglessness. It, it doesn't necessarily like, what good does it provide to just have the meaninglessness, you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's it. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but I like the answer or, or, you know, it could have gone the other way around of, you know, he found what he thought was the answer and he needed to say it. But of course, if you're going to give the answer, you also have to provide the question so people know what you're talking about. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah I, I think the point of this poem is that answer and as an answer to all the um, those lamentations and, and the, the despair that we feel just by <laughs> existing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I am just such a Walt Whitman stan, um, <laughs> and I enjoy his his works because everything that that he writes does seem like there's so much wisdom be behind it. You know, not not only the the wisdom to ask these these questions, but even the risk it, it's the risk itself to sort of try and answer these questions. Um, and I know during during his his time, uh, even something that seems as sort of innocent as as this did go under fire because he was talking about these sort of feelings and and emotions. He was talking about gender roles. He was talking about sex, um, which a lot of people weren't really really ready for. You know, they were mm-hmm. uh, they they would have rather read a poem that made them feel up uplifted or 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 downtrodden but they weren't really looking for the full scope or 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 for him to really talk talk about things that most people would leave for their own bedroom um so yeah i mean definitely during his his time he was a sort of trailblazer 
which I think is, you know, very, is shown very well within this. I mean, I just overall enjoy how sort of self-aware he is, that he is foolish. Uh, he isn't the smartest one. He hasn't been, he hasn't been everywhere and he is questioning his, his self constantly, but over his years, he has garnered enough wisdom to try and answer the question to life you know yeah i do like that the question is kept or that the answer is kept rather simple you know Mm -hmm. it's not so it's not like a you are here to do good works you are not here to um you know help someone mm, yeah yeah, well that makes it sound bad but like (laughs) it's it's a simple answer of just like existing is enough Mm -hmm. you know uh, participating in life is is meaningful in itself even if like you didn't you know haven't fixed the world so um yeah i i, I think it's a it's a it's a comforting answer for sure um i really do like how it's almost ironic right how this huge thing, this sort of overarching thing that we all experience, which is ex- which is existence, he is coming up with, I mean, as you said, a very simple answer, a very um, open answer to where you can apply that to many things. Like like he, he, he talks about identity, which is a hugely in, important thing. And I mean, a lot of people have just the hardest time sort of coming up with that. So I mean even with even within his very short answer, it does speak volumes to the sort of mag- to the sort of magnitude of life without overstating it, without sort of bogging us down with these words, you know? Sure, yeah. So uh we, well, another thing is that, you know, the the theme this week is is beginnings, right? Mm-hmm. And um this this play is definitely or play this poem is definitely a uh you know not a perfect like jigsaw puzzle you know fit but i i think it does and can apply very much so of like you know sometimes you fall into these these pits of of despair um Mm -hmm. as you just like wonder you know what the the meaning of it all is you know you're suffering a lot and um sometimes there's yeah there's stuff like this there's realizations like this that uh, help you pull yourself out of it and or at the very least apply yourself in a in a different way yeah um you know satisfy you a bit just to be like hey you, you know be accept that there's not necessarily a a deeper you know um structured meaning and that it's okay that there that there is not one um that you can still contribute to the play of life um even without it i see this poem as like something someone would would shout over a uh, cliff right as they are proclaiming the new era within their their life i mean that that very last section seems like a sort of revelation that that sparks someone to yeah try to actually live to try to actually try within life and not live so so passively so yeah, I would I would say that this poem in itself isn't that sort of new be beginning, but what it is preaching to is to try and start your own new beginning, if that makes sense. Sure, yeah, I think that's one way you could take it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder how much of this was was something that you know Walt Whitman 
you know, struggled with himself, right, to to figure out and then did find that answer for himself or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe in a less interesting way that he kind of already had that answer and wanted to share it. But yeah, true. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I like I would love to kind of learn the sort of history of this because I I wonder if he had written the first part and then years later came up with that answer. You know? Yeah, that, because, that would be interesting. Yeah, because that does seem like something Whitman was do, uh, uh, would do. Uh, he definitely sat on a lot of his works for a very long time uh, until he, he found them to be perfect. And I, and I even think, like, um, one of his most famous uh, collections of short poems, uh, Leaves of Grass, had a whole bunch of different issues be, before he... He basically finally he basically finally settled on the last one, um, so yeah, a, a lot of questions after uh, reading this. But but either way, I mean, I love the sort of sentiment that uh, he is really spouting here, and I mean, I felt all of of these feelings, you know, thinking of worth, thinking of why am I really here. So I think it's very, as you said, comforting to uh, to basically see a a sort of answer here or a or a or a working answer in a sense yeah and i think that's something that we can apply ourselves of that you know write down your aspirations if you don't know a whole um question or even if you don't even have like a full form thought you know you have Mm -hmm. the the beginnings of one i think it's definitely worth writing these things down and and articulating them the best you can um i'm actually sitting in front of um i have a a blackboard in my my room which um for a long time i didn't know how to how to decorate it because i'm not an artist right so it's like this is actually kind of useless um and i don't like you know writing notes with chalk so i wanted to avoid doing it too often but eventually i decided to put down like little snippets of of my poetry and stuff which is like a little bit it feels sometimes narcissistic when i when people are in my room and i'm like oh yeah that's i wrote all that you know but um it it has felt good just to like put down these phrases and things and you know most of them are like not good but they're just like thoughts that i've had and and want to keep wondering about and questions that i still you know wonder um and seeing them you know reminds me of them and i continue to wonder and there's a lot of them that i still don't have uh answers but sometimes you know i think without that reminder i would forget that question you know True. so yeah. um I, I i think most people already uh, most writers already know this but if you don't or if you haven't taken in if you don't you know think it's a really you know serious necessary thing but get an idea journal like for real oh get, get a notes app um i have a word document and i have a notebook and actually several mm-hmm. notebooks that Same. i carry around that i just write down whatever ideas and most are terrible but like what why not why not write down the idea i don't have to use it it's just now it's there and if Mm -hmm. i want to i can reread it and i can refresh myself and i can re-wonder and then can go further with it and um yeah i think it's a really good idea to to do something like that yeah definitely i mean any any idea has a better lifespan when you put it down on paper than within your your own mind and also, it will uh, get rid of all of that mental clutter. So, yeah, write down everything, even if it's the worst line you could possibly think of. It, it is better to write it down than to have it plague you later. But, yeah, really, really great tip. Yeah, I, I remember in um, 
like episode seven or something like that, we had a uh, Philip Burton on. Mm, yeah. Um, he's a, a a you know a slam poet down here in um in the UNT area. Uh, and yeah, he talked about how yeah that's what he did too he would write down little snippets of of his poetry and sometimes it's a line and it's totally like devoid of any context or uh it's it's basically just you know a a block to use later on in something else yeah pretty much well all right i think that's all we can really say about mr whitman thank you so much for being on the podcast once again but i think it's high time to move on into our listener submitted story section. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much to everyone who wrote your story. You are doing our heart good. Uh, so the stories we will be reading, uh, the, the the author of the stories we will be reading this week are Ace of Sword, Glittering Coast, Captain Rhino, and Tomato Soup. I think it's Tomato Soup. Very oh, important distinction. And, and tomato soup. Okay, uh, let's get going. Which one's first? Sure. So the first one this week is by Ace of Sword with a pill. That's right. So um, this is actually this is kind of related to the story we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in this, Ace of Sword basically has uh, two voices talking to themselves, but they're um, their own voices they're ace of swords voices um in their head talking about how they feel that they're in a slump um that they're having a really hard time writing right now so they're resorting to uh just writing out um a uh stream of consciousness sort of of thought of just you know working uh their way through this writer's block that they have and how it's different from others writer's block it's not that they don't have good ideas it's that um and not that they need good ideas, but it's just that uh, the the words that they want to write seem really far away. They they're sort of grasping at a at a fog, is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, but by the end, it, not necessarily that just writing this got them over it, but perhaps it helps. And um, I think so too. It, that that sort of thing uh, has helped me. So. I'm glad you wrote this Ace of Sword, even if you had, you know, trouble writing normally. I think we all do. Um, I'm glad you f- you feel that, uh, you know, committing to to writing every week might might help you with that. Um, I've definitely felt the grasping at fog things. Mm-hmm. I I do think that just writing, like like you have here, is a way to work through that. You, at least it has worked in the past for me. Um, I do think it's also related to depression a lot of the time, or at least it mm-hmm. has been for me. So. If you didn't already know that, <laughs> think about it maybe, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this is a really great uh, stream of thought story. I mean, uh, th- throughout it, we get a really good sense as to the plight that this voice is really going through. Like like what they want, what they need, and the reasons as to why they don't have that. And how it, how it is sort of within this ambiguous fog. Um, so yeah, I mean, overall, I just I just really like it. I am very happy that that you did. Uh, even if you don't have a sort a certain idea, it is still great to to write. And you did bring us a a really solid story that is right in this uh feeling of want, right? This this sort of wanton feeling. Uh, so yeah, overall, really really great job. And I'm happy that you uh, still wrote this week. 
Yeah. Um, and I don't know, Ace of Sword, maybe just continue just trying out new things. I, I think definitely writing out the, the stream of consciousness um, is a really good way just to get something out. Um, but consider, you know, writing something that you haven't done before. You know, you might like, you know, try a change. Um, you might like whatever you change to. So definitely, I like definitely. writing nonfiction or, um, you know, writing... Uh, for me uh something that helps sometimes was to, just to write an imaginary history because that's like the easiest thing to write to me even if it's really boring for other people to read but you know <laughs> i enjoyed it so yeah definitely definitely well all right up next is by glittering coast with restrained um so uh we have <laughs> our main character is in a bed and she's restrained and she's drugged up uh and as it goes we we get more and more concerned about the circumstances that this main character is in um you know this nurse is talking to her and the main character cannot respond in any way at all can't even speak um and what she wants to do is like to snarl at them and and bite them and just get them to go away and and to free her uh but they don't and we sort of go through uh you know how she's been here and she tried to escape and over time her rebelliousness has escalated the means that they sought to control her and she's it's a really awful situation that she's in Mm -hmm. uh but the uh story is um interrupted halfway through with a a time traveler uh Mm -hmm. coming out of the the ceiling which was you know a really cool (laughs) imagery um and telling her to uh that some I, I think it's a version of her in the future is telling her to stay strong, keep her mind, um, and that um, this person will get her out of there eventually. And um, she panics a little bit because she's left alone again, but she is also reassured that there's someone that does care about her eventually anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is a really great story. I love the um, tension that is that's being built. This this starts in a place that is seemingly very innocent, but then but then as it goes on, we see that that this main character is being trapped here, which does arise a lot of questions, and I and I really do like it because these questions mixed with this tension just just sort of really pushes us pushes us further down this uh, this story. And I think the moment that the time traveler shows up is pretty shocking. And it does throw like so many questions questions at you, but it really does make you want to read a second entry to to get to get some of these questions answered. So I mean, overall, this seems like a really great uh, start, uh, uh, the building blocks to a greater story. So really great job, Glittering Coast. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Who's the next story? Up next is by Captain Rhino with Untitled Story. So this is a sad story. Um, we start off here in, in a quiet room as a, as a, I think it's a father um, is looking at their daughter um, named Sophie, of which is really really small and sick right now. But in addition, also was like born really small and like uh, looks off in some ways. At least that's how they articulate it. And they uh, think about it and they get angry about how. Um, they were told about the diagnoses, the, all, all of the symptoms and everything that they were told that basically their child was born with some sort of, um, birth defect, although the word defect makes me a little comfortable, but, um, that the woman that, um, I, I think it's a, 
a surrogate, I think, is the implication, um, had a drank during it uh during the the pregnancy and you know that affects the the child so um there's a lot of uh lamentation there about how this child was um doomed to a like a, a harsher life and health-wise especially just because of that but uh then um their son comes in um a little kid in a tiny roman soldier costume which is really <laughs> cute and have a they have a little interaction, and the kid is really excited to show Sophie the outfit, the, the, even though Sophie's just a baby, won't be able to understand. And I think there's a little something uplifting there, um, but it's it's really small uh, moment of that. And then um, Sophie wakes up, and uh, the parent has to put them back to bed. But just the comfort of the human touch uh, settles her down, and it's not so bad. Um, and then they put their son to bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, as you said, a very sad story, but I, I really do love it. I mean, it, it's really steeped in this one tone that's very somber and we understand the sort of few, the sort of futility that is, that's in the, the air. And I mean, overall, I just really like the, the prose. I think it is very focused on not only telling this moment, but also telling the history be, behind it. Um, and like, yeah, that, that one moment with the kid is, is very sweet, but it's almost bittersweet because there's still this, this feeling that, well, not everything is going to be all, all right. That, that there's this sort of like hidden hand that's waiting for something worse to come. So yeah, I mean, I just really like how this story is slowly setting all of that up. I, I like how at the end we, we do get that, that sort of glimpse of, of hope, but um, at the same time, it's, it's, it's really sad and, and somber. And uh, I think it's a really good story because you really do hit that, that tone and you bring it home. So great job. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely has a lot of um, emotion there. And I think it's, I don't know, even know if it was an intentional moment of like the kid uh, coming in and wanting to see Sophie that, you know, he doesn't really care about whatever these, these symptoms and everything are. But um, I like that moment regardless, mm-hmm. it, you know, even if it wasn't, it would probably was intended message, but, um, you know, probably Captain Rhino you know, leaves a comment uh, of how... Um, uh, that they don't think that they run enough emotion out of the story as as they wanted to um and uh probably you know you probably can uh if you go back and edit but i think this is absolutely a, like a really really good start to this so mm-hmm. definitely definitely well all right our last story for this week is by comedo soup with the first test so a boy and a doctor um are together and the the doctor gives the boy some clay the the boy thinks that it is life clay uh and he's excited about that and the doctor and so that introduces the concept to us that there's something called life clay and the doctor says no it's just regular clay <laughs> not starting with life clay is a bad idea um which you know makes a lot of sense uh, but he gives the the boy a task to make a copy of a bunch of bones um that are completely 100 percent accurate uh to um real bones and uh you know he comes back after a while and the boy is uh, a bit angry um you know he tried really really hard but there's 
problems with all of the the bones he made because you know he's just doing it with his hands and that's what he protests uh the doctor says he's failed but he had no tools he had no instruction not enough clay this was not fair at all and um the doctor says oh that's the excuses you're going to use that you didn't have all these things this is still you still failed and and goes on about that and um but this there's some back and forth that you know the doctor's being a little unnecessarily harsh. The boy is, you know, he's intelligent enough to, to see past some of this stuff and be like, yeah, but I didn't, this is like your lesson, you know? You didn't tell me I could go out and do things. But um, the doctor shows the life clay in his arm, which is a really cool scene. All, all the flesh inside one of his arms is all made of this clay, this magical clay. And, uh, but he implies that he's dying and he can't fix it himself. Um, so this boy will have to, and um, the boy, he, he, the doctor tells him how, you know, go out and get tools and, and get these things. You know, you have to do everything you can to, to do your job right. Um, and uh, the boy vows to fix the doctor uh, in just two weeks. <laughs> just <laughs> give me two weeks to do it. Um, and it's a, it's a funny little interaction with that of of the, you know, the promises they're making to each other. And then finally, the doctor picks up the boy's attempt at a tibia, and really, besides a slump in the middle, it was remarkably good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I really love the um, the characters being built within this this story. I I like the doctor's character as this sort of teacher, but also is very harsh. But uh, I I love those very long monologues that that he's going on and. Um, yeah, I, I mean, overall, I I love the sort of subtle world world building being being placed here, and yeah, it's just it's just a really great building blocks to a much larger story, right? Uh, and I really think that the character work ha- character work happening here is really pull- bringing this story to together and and pushing it forward. So I mean, overall, fantastic job. Uh, and I would love to see more back and forth be between these these characters because it is very entertaining to to read. So great job! Yeah, yeah, this is a really classic, uh, you know, opening to uh, this sort of fantasy story, and I think it stands really well on its own. Um, and yeah, I I really like it as a you know that sort of conflict between a mentor and a an apprentice. Mm-hmm, exactly. So thank you to everyone who sent in a story this week. Without y'all, this podcast would not have listener submitted stories. So that's that's true. I mean, that's if there there were no submitted stories, there would no submitted stories. You're so right. That's very true. Hey, I am always right. All right. Uh (laughs) But we would like to give a big old do the right thing. Thank you to everyone who did submit a story. So thank you very much to Ace of Sword. Thank you to Glittering Coast. Thank you, Captain Rhino. And thank you, Kamato Soup. And we would like to say thank you to everyone who did leave two or more comments. Leaving comments not only lets you uh, put all of your thoughts on your own story out there, but you are also providing someone else with crucial feedback that can help them and you become a, a better writer. So thank you very much to Glittering Coast, Komato Soup, and Captain Rhino. Thank you so much for leaving comments. Hell yeah. If you want to be like all of these wonderful writers and submit your story to Do the Right Thing, you can do that by going to slash r slash do the right thing on Reddit. 
All you have to do is sit down for 30 minutes and use three of four randomly generated words in your short story. To see the news or new words of every week, you can see them on the subreddit, or you can follow us on Twitter uh, to see the the messages that come out. Mm-hmm. Um, the they're also on Discord, which you can get by. Uh, actually, no, the Discord is free to everyone right now. Um, so if you haven't already joined the Discord, but um, you're still considering it, go and, and join. Just go to doofmedia.com/discord to uh, get the invitation uh, right there, and then you can. Uh, talk to us there's a do the right thing challenge or challenge the <laughs> channel uh, where we talk about things really do the right thing so um yeah if you want to talk to us that's that's the place to go exactly um you can also send us an email which is at rightthinkcast.gmail.com and yeah mm-hmm. and if you want to support us and everyone else in this wonderful doof media you can do that by donating to the doof media patreon all you have to do is donate $10 or more per month to get access to exclusive bonus content, including our new doof over of Steinsgate. That's right, which is coming out. It's already out by the time this episode comes out. I promise. <laughs> um, right. And there's always so much else going on at, at Doof Media. Uh, there was a Doof cast covering Raya, Raya and then The Last Dragon, uh, which, they, I mean, they had a really good things to say about it. I didn't know... Really, it's really weird for a Disney movie to come out, and I just don't give a shit about mm, was, it. That's kind of wild. Was, um, that's it's, the one that only came out on Disney Plus. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. I mean, that's obviously a big contributing factor. It's just still surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so Pale Reflections is going on, and if you haven't heard about it, they're also doing an RPG called uh, Pace, uh, which is run <laughs> by Ruben. It's a um, sort of edited future version of of pact and and pale um with some some twists and stuff and it's uh with elliot rubin and um uh kippos and another member uh or or friend i'm not i forget if they're not on the discord so i don't know them that well but another member of the community i guess um or (laughs) a friend at the very least but anyway um where they yeah they go and do space missions and it's a lot of fun so uh, our our actual play podcast. Nice, nice. I think it's high time to get into next week's words, don't you think? Sure. Next week, the topic will be knowledge of of any profession. Basically, we will want you to do one of the most vital parts about writing, which is research. So, pick any given uh, job, any given any given profession. Do do your due diligence when it comes to researching all of the nitty gritty of that profession and then write a short story where where your main character and or side character goes through the the day to day of that job. Yeah, just to give you some practice in the act of, you know, researching something and then putting it to uh, to the page. Mm-hmm. Um, a worthy an important skill of, of all authors. Very much so. And the words that will help you create this short story are polish, topple, muscle, and prevent. So polish, which could also be Polish, as in someone from the Poland. from from the the country of Poland or the land of Poland. Uh, but to polish something is to make it shining, to clean it up, and uh, sometimes you provide like a like a wax on it or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, topple which is to knock something over mm-hmm. basically to Towers make it fall topple. uh people can topple um the government can topple mm-hmm. etc jenga topple. Uh, muscle which is the things that makes your body move the fleshy mm-hmm. bits it's also, um, also someone 
That's mm, not spelled like that. Oh, okay. My bad. I thought mm-hmm. it was. It, muscle, muscle, not muscle, mm. muscle. It's, it's like M-U-S-S-E-L. M-U-S-S-E-L. Okay. Yeah. I see. Um, that is, uh, is someone can also be muscle, which is like their point is, uh, their, their job <laughs> is to be someone strong and do the bidding of someone else, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, you can muscle in somewhere, which is sort of to push people out of the way, sort of. Yeah. Uh, especially in a you know metaphorical sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's probably some other applications. Um, and then prevent, which is to make something else not happen. Um, yeah. Those are the words. Nice. Where's the, what's the story you're gonna write, Jarvis? Thank you. Uh, next week my story is going to be about um Jim Rat getting a job with a with a local crime boss as a goon right so mm-hmm. so of course he was he was hired on as the muscle you know when uh, whenever the the uh the crime boss needs money from Jack and Jill he he goes and and beats up Jack and breaks Jill's knees you know he is a real tough guy uh and basically his his whole job is to is to prevent anyone from disrespecting the boss well you see after after being with him for about 20 years right you know he is a seasoned muscle um he decides that he is tired of being the second fiddle and and that maybe the the best thing to to do was to take out the the main crime boss topple his 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 whole empire and build his his own perfectly polished drug in drug empire on top of it but of course with everyone with ambition that can only go so far and of course at the end of the day the crime boss always wins mm-hmm. um my story involves a um a uh polish it's a, it's a Polish uh, sentient muscle. Oh. It's just uh, a bicep, mm-hmm. just a bicep, and he's from Poland. And um, you know, the he's he's just going about his life, and uh, he actually really wants to become a baker. But there is a law in the Polish government uh, that prevents muscles from becoming bakers. You know, because of like the blood can go everywhere because it's just bare muscle, right? There's no skin involved. It's just muscle. Yeah. And uh, so uh, he decides to topple the Polish government to um, overturn that law, and he does that. And uh, now there's no Polish government. It's just an anarchic state, and anyone can bake. Um, But there is a bit more um, blood poisoning, so. Mm -hmm. I see, I see. Pros and cons, right? Yeah, well, you know what? I think that we should, I think in 2021, uh, we should stop preventing people from chasing their dreams no no matter if they are just a mass of blood and a tissue or sinew yeah or like even if they might be hey not the smartest person i think even even a dumb person should be able to become a doctor the same as how this muscle can bake whatever he wants that's yep that and um legalizing muscle baking it would is the is the to right. um the do the right thing is the, do the right thing to do is the right thing to do um yeah